welcome to All Talk Oncology. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. And again, thank you everyone for joining us here today. And as always, we have a wonderful guest on our show. Now, you may have seen this gentleman on his own show. We're talking about Food Rush. You may have seen him on Top Chef on the fourth season. This gentleman we're talking about is Ryan Scott, Rye the Fly Guy. Ryan, welcome to All Talk Oncology. <laughs> what, what people don't know, Kenny, is you and I have been talking for a half an hour and crying. That's why my eyes look like this already. <laughs> you, you, guys, you guys need the behind the scenes with Kenny and Ryan right now. We're just like two dudes just sitting over here crying, holding hands. That's over what we do. <laughs> Good stuff, man. How are you, my friend? How are you? Oh, Ryan, I'm doing amazing. I'm doing amazing. And, you know, having you on our show is, is a blessing because, you know, one thing I like about you, Ryan, is that you're open. You, you don't hold anything back. And that's rare for men. You know, men are, are bottled up, Ryan. They don't speak about it. And you, you say, hey, man, I, there's strength in that vulnerability and, and you give it up. And uh, man, I, I appreciate that about you. That's a characteristic I don't want you to ever lose. Thanks, man. Thanks. You know, uh, it's a lot easier to be original than to try to figure out the lies of what you're trying to sell people on, on BS, man. You know, at the end of the day, this is me. This is me. You know, I don't have to backtrack when I say something. It's just me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, and how true is that? And, you know, I, I think I think it's hard. I, I think where we live at, you know, you you're a native California. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Born and raised. I was born in Modesto, raised in a little town called Oakhurst and Los Banos out in the Central Valley. And then I've lived in San Francisco Bay Area for 22 years. Yeah. yeah. So me, myself, too, Ryan, I'm a native California, been down, down in Southern California. And, you know, you learn how to put on airs when you as you growing up, right, you want to fit in. And so at some point, you, you have to learn to be who you are. And so that 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 who you are and that vulnerability and being just authentic, man, that that is what a lot of us need out here. Yeah, uh, that's a uh, thanks for saying that. Because it's funny, as I'm sitting here watching this video with you, I look, I, I'm a grown man, 41, pink, pink yeah. bracelet, pink sweater, yeah. pink hat. And my brother, my brother, I'm in his phone since 1998 as pink. <laughs> and look, it's even funny. I have a pink phone case. <laughs> and people are like, wait, a straight man, a father, a kid, and he, his favorite color is pink. It's because I'm comfortable. You know what I do in the morning? I wake up, I look in the mir mirror, and I'm just blessed. And I wear what I want to wear, and I own what I want to own, and I am who I am, and I don't let anybody deter that, steer that, or mess that up, you know? Mm -hmm. And I guess that vulnerability has, you know, in business decisions probably hasn't been the best. I always say that, you know, I'm, you know, I don't look at your resume, resume I look at who you are as a person. And sometimes, you know, that steered me wrong, but I always look at faults also as a factor for growth. You know, when you do wrong, you can only go up. You can only learn from that. And if I've only succeeded, 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 then, you know, where can I grow? My faults have brought me to where I am today. If you repeat those, then there's a pattern that, you know, there's something you need to really check yourself. But, you know, um, I'm proud. I'm proud to be alive. I've lost a lot of people in my life. I lost seven friends during COVID. 
Um, I'm proud to be a father. You know, I never wanted to be a dad. I never wanted to get married. And when the universe brought me my wife, it was not about me, Kenny. It's all about what I could give her. And when we, and we're not public about this, and I'll say this, and when we found out we couldn't have kids um, and that science was going to be the rule for that, um, we accepted it and we acknowledged it. We have two beautiful girls because of science. And that's a really cool thing. And I never let it damper us that we couldn't have a child together. I just supported her. And I just said, hey, man, check this out, by the way. Women and men out there that are supporting partners that are carrying kids, just say, uh-huh. Just be there. Just <laughs> hold a hand. Your role is so big and so small at the same time. You know, I'm not carrying a child for almost, you know, three quarters of a year. I, I, you know, I'm not having this bowling ball push up against your spine that has sciatica and you can't walk correctly and you're you know, you have trouble, you go in the bathroom. We have such small roles. Just be present. The best present you can give people that you consider friends and family is your presence. Otherwise, get them out of your phone and let them move on with their own life. Guys out there and girls out there, they're dragging people on in relationships because you're so insecure about being alone. Let them go so they can blossom to find their right person. Stop dragging people on and start looking at yourself. So when I wake up, Penny, at 41, I am the best version of me I can ever be. And I look to the universe, Pentecostal, atheist, Catholic, whoever you are and whatever you are, I think the universe for who I am because we live here in such a short amount of time. And when I get people that DM me and message me and write fan mail to me and say, thank you for making me smile today, because that's authenticity. I don't walk on stage for the Today Show and think, Okay, what am I going to say if Jenna asked me this question? And if Hoda says this, what am I going to say? And then I'm on with Kelly Clarkson. What if Kelly flirts with me? I don't think about it. I just <laughs> do it. I always tell people, I was like, it's a lot easier for me to worry about what I do after I do it in actions of having fun on TV than to have it scripted because otherwise I'm this guy. Yeah. And if I'm this guy, this guy doesn't write multiple cookbooks that have been on TV for years because it's just me. I mean, my first book was me with two dogs. Check this stuff out. Two dogs in our house in the sunset in San Francisco. There we are before kids. <laughs> and three years later, here I am with my little girl hanging up in our kitchen in a different town in Marin County. And we've already had another kid. You want to talk about just letting life happen. That's four years, dude. <laughs> A lot has happened in four years, huh? Woo! I mean, just talk about the state of the world that we're in right now. We're still in a pandemic. Yeah. Kenny, I, I mean, I went to the hospital the other day, and we had our daughter, and I was the only person allowed in the room. We had to wear masks the whole time. I couldn't have any services, any food, nothing. Um, I only got to leave one time a day. But these nurses and doctors are not paid enough, dude. They're not paid enough. Yeah. They're coming in masked full garb and suits to take care of people that are wanting to have kids or have children or just need help and care and i look at these nurses that are paying to park their cars in the hospital and driving from out of town to come because this is their passion their love during the middle of a pandemic what a blessing we have to have amazing doctors in science and to be able to have doctors that can help us have a child and give birth and make sure that they're healthy and let alone just be able to check ourselves, you know, because of the signs that happened to me, you know, when I was a young kid, you know, we were able to go to the hospital, we were able to find out that I had colon cancer, 
What if I just ignored it? What if I didn't say anything? I, I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now. I was given six months at eight years old. I was given six months to live. Can you imagine being parents under 40 years old? And the doctor looks at you and says, your son has six months to live. Take him anywhere he wants to go. There's no money in the world that can fix that, dude. No. There's nothing. My heart breaks when I see these families that have kids that there's nothing worse as a parent when you can't help a child, you know, or you can't help a friend, but you can help yourself and help us by just going to the doctor. Sure. That's it, man. Just go to the doctor. Do I get colonoscopies every year, dude? It's like a freaking holiday for me. I get five. <laughs> I get. I I, I plan it around. I plan it around my birthday, which is November first. Yeah. I go. I go in early. Sit down, have my apple juice. I don't. By the way, let's just say this, guys. <laughs> guys and girls that are worried about colonoscopies. In 1987, the stuff that you had to take your pre-prep. It's called prep. Your prepping before colonoscopy in the 1988 was way more wretched than 2020. Now we have one bottle that tastes like a little bit like urine mixed. I don't know what urine tastes like, but <laughs> urine mixed with Gatorade. It's super duper salty. You got to down it. Yes, you got to go poop and you clean your whole system out. Let's just, we're adults here. Let's just right. talk. That's you right. Clean your system out. You go in there. It's so fast. They prick your hand. You fall asleep for 45 minutes to an hour. They, they do a scope. It's not like you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, did I just get beaten up? No, you can not even feel it. You don't even feel it. You wake up and they're like, would you like apple juice or a seven up? And then it's over and you're like, wait, when are you going to do it? And they're like, dude, you're done. We've done seven other people since you. And you're like next to, <laughs> so it's literally, if you're afraid, just let's get over that, man. The fact that I go and check myself is because I check myself from my mom my dad, my brother, my friends, my daughters, because I'm not going to let something take me too early. Absolutely. And by checking myself, I can, I can, that's one step for God's sake. We put, we put calendar dates on our, on our phones to work out. You guys set a calendar date to go on vacation. You set a calendar date to, to go to a happy hour and you can't set aside four hours to go get a colonoscopy. Ugh. Anyways. Right. Our priorities. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny that we put all this time into our clothing and our physique and getting Botox and our hair done and our clothing, <laughs> but we don't, it's all external. We don't want to work sure. on internal. You go get your oil changed every 3000 miles, but you won't get your oil changed. Weird. Just saying. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> it's facts, Ryan. It's true facts. You know, and so, you know, walk us through that, Ryan. I mean, you being eight years old, that, that's quite young. You know, at eight, you know, we're playing with Transformers at that time, right? You're, you're, you're kidding. You're running around and you're building, a, you know, Lego sets or whatnot. What happens to you that, you know, you needed to go to the doctor, your, your parents decided something's not, something's not going on correctly here? I remember, if I can remember as best as I can, I remember having loads of stomach aches. Okay. And I remember, you know, my parents were very poor. And, you know, we were, we were freaking poor. You know, my, my, my parents, we moved to Oakers, California, where we found out I had cancer because my dad was a produce manager for um, Bel Air Rayleigh's. It's a grocery store chain here in California. Tom Rayleigh. And my father became friends and Tom calls my dad and says, um, you want to move to Oakhurst? I want you to be the produce manager up there. So we, we, you know, 
in the late 80s when an opportunity arise for one family member or another that you know one could you know bring more dough to the table my parents are like cool let's leave modesto let's go up there so we're up there and we struggled for the first couple of years of you know finding our footing and financially i don't my mom was working three jobs at a time every single day you know i was raised on uh my mom putting things in the crock pot because my mom could do it in the morning plug the crock pot in go to work go to work go to work and come home and then she just scoop whatever's in there. I always call my mom. My mom is the David Copperfield of ground beef. She literally can just make ground beef go into 50 meals. She was just, <laughs> she was, she was great at that. So we were living in a, we were living outside of Oakhurst, and I remember having stomach aches, stomach aches, and I, and I remember I sat down to go to the bathroom at eight, and I woke up, and you would have thought it was like a Halloween massacre, mm. and I was just blood was all over the toilet seat, just completely covered, and. I remember calling my parents in and I think they were just in awe and they asked what happened if I was playing a prank or blah, 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 blah. That led to test. Um, the test led to uh, them finding colon cancer and the test led to colon cancer moving pretty quickly. Wow. And, um, uh, I think at this time, because of my age, there was a lot of question and I don't know a lot about this today. And you can look into, you know, it, it's funny, Kenny, you and another person are the only people I've ever talked about it because there were so many questions about how I made it, why I made it. If it was, if it wasn't, it was for sure. Mm -hmm. um, there were skeptics. They're like at eight years old. Why? But because of me getting it, my dad, was tested for colon cancer and had colonoscopies every year. My dad ended up getting colon cancer in his fifties. Wow. And my dad was tested and found out because I was still getting colonoscopies and still to this day, every year I do. My grandfather, my dad's dad ended up getting colon cancer. I was the first in my family chain at eight to strike the conversation. And imagine if I didn't have it, imagine my dad just would have passed it as a, um, I don't know, just a, a torn because he picked up a sack of potatoes and he just ripped something. And it's just like, oh, this is just normal wear and tear, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I remember this vividly and I, I don't get into it a lot because it's, it's um, this is the last time my parents weren't together too much longer after this. This added a lot of uh, stress onto my family. Mm -hmm. My parents, I think, got divorced, I think, three years after this. Um, I, I can't imagine because my parents' insurance is so bad. My mom told me after the fact that the insurance bill was creeping up into three quarters of a million dollars in 1988 by the time of all the time if I kept going in, kept going in, kept going in. I missed a lot of school, so I ended up having to miss school that year and restart. So I was a 18-year-old, uh, 19-year-old senior in high school. I graduated because I missed a lot of time. Long story short is... I was sitting out in front in our yard with my dad and my mom and my dad was spraying us with a hose. That was our um, country version of a pool. My dad would just say, stand there and he'd just spray us. And uh, <laughs> That's the poor, poor, poor man's pool. Hey, and, it gets the job done. And I remember my dad had to go to work and I refused to take the medication that night. Mm. And I refused to take it. And I refused to take it. And my mom was, you know, she had an older daughter and another son and I went to bed, I, we, I slept in the trailer. We had a trailer out in front. My parents slept in the house and I slept in the trailer, my brother and I. And I'll never forget this. 
I am woken up by my my dad was short. Do you, you talk about He Man? Do you remember that little He Man character that had the shoulders that would like bounce around with the spring up legs? He was like a he's like a guard, like a fierce fierce kind of a bouncy, really strong, mighty guard, like very Ken Shamrock. My dad was very strong, and I woke up to my dad over my shoulders. I'm laying here in the bed, and he has his shoulders pinned on my shoulders, laying in bed. Oh wow a grown man at 43 years old crying and I'm woken up by his knees and him crying over my shoulders and says, if you don't take this, you're going to die. And here's this. And he literally took it and forced the medication down my throat. And he's like, you're not dying on my dime. And so we went in, we went in, we had procedures, we had multiple procedures and you can say, you know, I'm not religious today. So this is a hard conversation for me to bring up sometime, you know, and I think maybe the reason why sometimes I don't like to talk about it is if you ask my dad's side of the family, it was a, it was a gift from God. If you ask me today, it's just a gift, but I'm here today as a gift. Yeah. And that's the way I look at it. Kim, Kenny, I, I, I took all the medication. I did all the protocols. I did all the procedures. I missed a lot of school. Um, and I found it not shameful to talk about it, but I always also found it up until you know, just this last year or so, I didn't know if I wanted to be a voice for something. And when I first did an interview a couple months ago, and I noticed the reaction because my friend is a cancer patient that asked me to do the interview, I noticed the impact. And when you wrote me, this is my mission today. My mission today is if one person can go and just get checked and we save one life because I don't know what it is that people, there's a correlation between a colonoscopy and like, I don't know, kind of like invasion of privacy per se. You know, some people find it like, oh, no, no, you can't, no, Ugh, don't do that to me. <laughs> you know, you know what? I'd much rather have somebody do that to me than not be around to do mm. that to me. Guys, it is so simple. So the long, long story short is uh, I did come out of it. Uh, I came out of it strong. They gave me six months to live and 35 plus years, whatever it is, the math real quick, uh, I'm still here today. So my goal and my, and my mission is to always make sure daily that, I mean, yearly and monthly that I'm checked, I'm paying attention of the things I do pay attention to because I did have cancer. Yeah. Uh, as I paid, I paid attention to my stool. I, I, you know, I, some people call it shit. You can bleep that out. Some people call it poop. People call it stool. I pay attention to it. I pay attention to when I do clean myself as an adult man that's on television. And I say this. Yes. I look. I look to see if there's blood on my toilet paper. Yes. I know. I know that's an odd thing to say, but let's have a real talk. The yes. real talk is, I'm not going to just go to the bathroom and not look. I've had cancer. Yeah. And my goal, just like my best friend that passed away when he had testicular cancer, that came back. And we talked about this before this interview started and testicular cancer grew into lymphoid, into lungs, into throat. And I lost him. And if he didn't pay attention to that pain, if I don't pay attention to the fact that if I see blood, then I'm neglecting all the work and all the things that happened to me and why I'm here today. So we all don't know. We don't know if we have one day left. I don't know if I have 50. I'm so stubborn. I'm going to be here a long ass time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, this, this, 
This is good. I got I got a hundred more books up my sleeve. Come on, <laughs> you know, and Ryan, you got a purpose to live now. I mean, you have two little ones, right? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, you talk about two little ones. I mean, coming from a kid laying on a bed in Fresno, California, at Children's Hospital in Fresno, um, I, I just want to give props to the moms and dads out there, and 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 places like I've had the opportunity of being on the Today Show when St. Jude is there places like St. Jude that can take people's pressure off of sick kids and parents and being in a hospital having to worry about finances. Um, there's amazing gifts out there and people like that children's hospitals to be able to help kids. I mean, I'm here today because of doctors. They're the unsung heroes out there. Nurses are the unsung heroes. They need more, just like teachers. They all need to be paid more. Uh, they need more props than, than they get out there. And and being a father today, I mean, when my daughter all skins her knee, you would think that, you know, the world is over for me, not her. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, stop the practice, please. What is wrong? Oh, I'm just like, Daddy, I have a boo-boo. And I just it just takes me back to just unconditional love. And, you know, my mom and my dad, uh, you know, my mom did an amazing job at that. And she always supported and she always loved and she was always there. And they didn't look at the financial they looked at the at the human there and they said we'll figure the financial out later absolutely you know? absolutely so, yeah so ron how did you how did you deal with that you know did you did you have surgery i had surgery yes and they did remove the cancer yeah okay yeah yeah, I had, yeah it's multiple surgeries actually yeah. and then the last one they went in for they're just like um this is the last kind of kind of little Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, throw it up there. Yeah. And uh, I'm here today because of it. So, Absolutely. you know, I'm, I'm eight. It's so funny. My parents didn't want to talk about it a lot, you know, and uh, and I don't blame them, you know. But, uh, yeah, I had surgery. I had procedures, mm -hmm. multiple. I had probably, you know, without going into chemo, I probably had six, seven, eight colonoscopies in, in the year that they were trying to figure things out. I don't think the doctors – could believe that it actually was in an eight-year-old. I think that exactly. was their biggest. That was their biggest thing. They're just like, yes. is, it a, is it a cyst? Is it is it a growth? What is it? But when I when you know when an eight-year-old is profusely bleeding, that's what it is. So, sure. yeah, I had procedures, and um, you know I was able to move on and uh, got my strength back, and um, ended up getting back to school, which is good. It was weird to be in school when you know during that process because i would have to go to the bathroom all the time and then i was bleeding and then that's why i just I pulled, we, they pulled me out because they needed me to be home you know taken care of yeah you know it's weird to be embarrassed in second or third grade but you know having to get up and just leave to go to the bathroom you know that's the part i was going to ask about not the bathroom part but that that's a good that's a good point it was more of you know because of the surgery and the procedures that you had to do you had to get pulled out how was how was that for you from a social standpoint, not, not being able to see your friends and interact and things like that? I think I was I was a little I mean, I'm a social butterfly. If you ask my friend Wes, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I was president of the class without being president of the class. Yeah. I mean, I, st I started a newspaper in third grade when I came back before newspapers were there. I made my mom go to Allstate and my mom would hand type this newspaper and then I made fake currency. <laughs> that I took the fake currency and turned it into money somehow and sold it to the school. And then the newspaper was a school newspaper. Like I just, <laughs> I, I always do. And then I worry about things after the fact um, yeah. I was, you know, I was, uh, 
king of prom in sixth grade or something like that. I was a DJ before DJs were DJs. And um, it didn't, I wasn't too close to my brother and sister. I think they grew really close to each other as friends during that time. And then I was kind of a loner, but then I had a couple of friends. It, it didn't affect me. I don't think I knew how big it was until my dad was crying over me. I thought, oh, I don't know. Did I break something? What's going on? And when my dad was standing over me crying was when I really knew. And then having your parent tell you that you're, you've got, you have, your time is limited is an interesting thing. So yeah. um, I don't remember trying to like jump back into a social circle like it would be high school. I mean, it was second yeah. or third grade. I just sure. jumped back in and I'm like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> Uh, what's going on? Stronger, bigger, badder. You know, of, course, <laughs> I, of course, I had my, my I would wear my hat like this and my hair was all fan. So, you know, I grabbed attention that way. So, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I still wear hats at 41. Weird. Come on. Um, yeah. You can't you can't take the boy out of the man. Yeah. No joke. Tell that to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, this is this you, you mentioned you mentioned you know, yeah, you're not jumping back into the social thing at eight, you know, that uh, I can understand that. But my my question to you was, when your dad's telling you, man, you're possibly going to die, how do you digest that, Ryan, at a, at a young age like that? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you digest that? I mean, I, I freaking out. I did. Did it, did it I, I did. Okay. I did. And as you say this now, I'm starting to put multiple pieces together because I'm going to be completely frank with your fan base out there. I've never talked about this. You're my second interview in my whole life. And I have had major, major uh, anxiety with the word death my whole life. I've had I have, um, we call them spurts and breakouts um, to where just out of the blue, I will freak out. And the first place that my mind goes to is this is it. I'm gone. Uh, I'm dying. There's nothing after this. There's no afterlife. And my mind kind of triggers and goes into this, into its own zone. And I don't think, Kenny, until I've talked to you right now, I've put two and two together that that possibly could be that. I was put on Zoloft at the age of 11 before people knew that Zoloft today is just like candy for some people. And I was put on Zoloft because of these anxiety attacks of death that I had. I was, it would happen to me in the most vulnerable places to where I was solo and by myself when I was 10 and taking a shower. Um, I'm going to be completely frank with you today. I'm 41 years old and it maybe happens to me still today, a half a dozen times a year. And I find it to where my brain is, not in its best place it's waking up at two o'clock in the morning and going and getting a water or checking on my daughter real quick and then i go and use the restroom and i find myself at that moment vulnerable and not thinking and that's when it attacks me and it's so interesting that you say how did i deal with that i'm still dealing with that yeah that's the best answer i can give you and until talking to you right now i don't think i it's really interesting yeah, I never, I never put two and two together, and it's because I never talked about it. Yeah, you know, Ryan, I, and I thank you. One first, yeah. thank you oh, for thank opening. You. Up. Thank you, no, thank you, because damn, yeah, you know how many doctors I've seen. You know how many therapists I've talked about this. 
Hmm. Can you imagine just being laying in bed and next thing you know, you start having um, like a, pan- a full on panic attack mm-hmm. that you can't control. And I have to blurt and talk out loud. So my wife's method of helping me is she leans over, she grabs my hand, she wakes me up and she tries to look in my eyes. And Kenny, she just says, I love you and I'm here. I'm mm-hmm. here. You're fine. You're not dying. You're not dying. And my wife has this push button that she pushes and she says the same thing. And I had to stand up and I had to walk around and I had to, I had to jump out of this body that's trying to make me have an attack. Yeah. Huh. Holy shit. Excuse my French. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Very, very interesting. sir. I didn't know I was going to have a therapy session with you today. <laughs> you know, I tell you what, Ryan, you know, not only people don't underestimate cancer coaching, you know, cancer coaching is, it's a real thing here and it's, it's fairly new, but it's conversations like this, right? That helps and opens up. And, uh, and again, we talked a little bit about when you get, when you get diagnosed with cancer, you don't know much about it and it's overwhelming, right? And then you're trying to deal with that. So, you know, going back to you and understanding, and now that's a traumatic experience. You know, here you are eight year old and then your dad is above you talking about death and crying. You talk about traumatic, that's, that's traumatic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so here we are, does that, could that potentially be a part of what happens today when we're having a panic attacks? Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I've, I've accepted them like a bad tattoo. I was like, it's there. I'm going to try to face it. <laughs> but I, but I never knew where that bad tattoo came from until I talked to you. I never knew that that was a hundred percent where that came from. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But man, I, I wouldn't be Ryan Scott today if that didn't happen to me. Man, and we love some Ryan Scott. And 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 for those that don't know, ride a fly guy. That's what I'm calling him here. Ryan Scott. We're talking about Emmy Award winner. Okay, Ryan Scott. We're talking about two-time Emmy Award winner. Don't don't let me jip you. Don't let me jip you from that. We're talking, you know, author Ryan Scott. And talk to us a little bit about that. You 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 come up with a new book, the No Fuss Family Cookbook. Yes. That, talk about that. Talk about that a little bit. What what a what a cool project. And you know, small little tiny little plug here. It um it is three and a half years on the heels of my first one. And everybody always says it's harder to write your second book than your first book because your second book is signed basically on how well this one does. Mm. This one was a dog father. I was a doggy daddy. This one is a daddy. I pitched this book in the end of 2019. What are we in now? We're in 21. I pitched this book at the end of 2019. It was picked up. I pitched a book called Hashtag Dads at Bake. I sent it to Houghton Mifflin and Harcourt, which is my publisher, which is the largest food publisher in America. And when I sent it to a guy named Justin, I said, I want to make a book called Hashtag, Hashtag Dads at Bake because when my daughter was born, I have a baking degree. I went to culinary school. I have a baking degree and an associate arts degree in culinary arts. And I said, I found myself baking. And I said, when I would bake cookies, I found all these masculine, really you know, crazy dad dads DMing me. And typically my DMs don't look like the ones that dad's asking me cookie questions. 90% of them are, can you take a photo without your shirt on? Uh, And I was getting messages from dad saying, 
hey, if um, I know this thing may sound weird, this is the way I read it coming from a you know a dad, but can I substitute bittersweet chocolate for 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 uh, for white chocolate or can I use gluten free flour versus this flour? So I pitched this book idea, and Houghton Mifflin Harcourt Justin, his name is Justin, got the book, and he says, I got to be honest with you, I don't want this dad's at bake book. I was like, okay. He's like, I want your Instagram in a book. He's like, I want you what you cook for your daughter and your wife. And he's like, here's a check. We signed the deal already. I don't know what this book is, but full reign, make it happen. My agent called me and says, not only in less than 24 hours did we get a book deal, but we got a book deal for the book that we didn't pitch. <laughs> so this is a labor of today. This is the moment that we are in today. And this is a great expression of living for today. Yeah. Because when you read the, the opening of this, of my first book, Rachel Ray wrote the first four to this one. And I don't even know who the hell I dedicated this one to. So much stuff goes, just goes on. I'm pretty sure it's my wife and my mother. Um, but I want to read the, the dedication to this. And I think this will tell you exactly what this book is. You go to the first page and there's wow. this driveway in front of our house right here is my wife, my daughter and I, and now we have a three week old other girl. This, our daughter's name is Olive and our other daughter's name is Poppy both food oriented, but also just universal oriented, you know, olive tree and the strength and what the olive tree stands for and the poppy flower, which is the, you know, the state flower, the state of California. It's also poppy seeds. Also mm. when our daughter was in, um, in the first stages of becoming who she is in the, in the, in the scans that you get, the doctors always say, Oh, she's the size of a poppy seed. And I'm like, I like that. Uh -huh. And I just want to, I, I want to read this to you real quick. And this is encompasses what this book is about. Okay. And uh, there's a dedication here and it says to all of our baby burrito. And we call her a burrito because I just wrap her up in a blanket. And I just, <laughs> I, I, everything is food. So to all of our baby burrito, the best decision of our lives. I wrote this book as sort of a culinary history. And I hope it finds you. I hope it finds you that you share these recipes and stories with your future family. For the Scots, food has always been a catalyst for amazing times, memories, conversations, and love. I look forward to you adding your own chapters to this someday. Love, Daddy. I wrote this as a dedication to my wife and my daughter because these recipes are my wife and me. My wife is of half Asian descent, Chinese and Irish. And these recipes are an influence of Chinese descent, um, uh, American descent that I am, you know, Native American and, and a hodgepodge of multiple things, Scottish and you name it. But this book was created because of love and a, and a communion between two people that got married and had a little daughter. And I wanted to write these recipes down for my daughter because as a father and as a mother and a father, we all know this. We'll go eat Taco Bell and not tell anybody, but we won't feed Taco Bell to our kids. Mm. So, you know, we're the first people that'll give healthy stuff to our kids, but not to us. And mm -hmm. so I was finding myself as I was writing this book, I'm like, damn, like seriously, everything has no sugar. It's like low sodium this, low salt this. And you read the first book, it's like, Tabasco, two tablespoons of salt. <laughs> it's like, but you know, just this. This is all naturally sweet. Oh, it looks PB so delicious. And, Look at that. And these are pancakes made with overripened bananas, and there's no sugar added to it, but what's only inside the peanut butter. And then you just like this. These right here are my mother-in-law's lasagna cups, but my mother-in-law only makes this lasagna once a year at Christmas with her and I. And I wanted to have this lasagna all year round. So I made my iteration of it in lasagna cups instead in muffin tin. And I use wonton wrappers instead of lasagna. And I take the same filling. And then when you bake them and chill them, you freeze them. And then my daughter can have a lasagna cup 
on a Tuesday night because I just have to reheat it from the freezer. Yes. It's a lot of it's a lot of shortcuts, buddy. It's a lot of simple things to teach people um, how to just cook on a daily basis and not have to go to the store twenty four seven. It is a pantry pull book, one hundred percent. Well, I tell you what, you you are a busy, you are a busy man, and uh, you know, Ryan. So many people out here, you know, in fear and living their life. You know, a lot of a lot of times, Ryan, it's what happens, what's life like after cancer? Mm -hmm. And we can look at you and see you didn't allow that to hinder you or or put you in a position where you couldn't grow. This Ryan in front of us, you know, is an entrepreneur, is a chef, you know, and talk to us about talk to us a little bit about how how that came about, how, how Ryan became a chef. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's so interesting talking to you because I, I, I'm starting to feel now the more that I'm vocal about this is the more that I'm learning that cancer is the person that has made me who I am today. And I don't think I ever put two and two together because I, I'm constantly, one of the largest questions I'm asked, longest questions and the most continuous question I'm asked is, where's your energy come from? how do you work so hard? And I find it through straight dedication of who I am as a human. I mean, I watched my parents get divorced at the age of 13. Mm. And I watched, you know, a family of 25 years crumble because of divorce. And I set my mind at that moment. I said, the moment I get married is the moment I'm going to get married. And that's going to be it for the rest of life. Look, we can't control that for everybody. I totally understand that. But Kenny, I waited until I was 36 to get married because I, you know, got to kiss a lot of frogs to make sure that you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody and, you know, vice versa with my wife, with me. But, you know, my culinary career was, was something that was right after my cancer, I was nine and I would come home and I would run home to watch great chefs of America. I would run home to watch Martin Yan cook on, on PBS. I would run home to watch Jacques Pepin and Graham Care cook. And if you guys don't know who they are, they are the culinary pioneers before the Food Network launched in 94, 95, before Emerald Lagasse was saying, bam, Emerald was cooking with Julia Child on PBS in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So these were shows that I was just attracted to. I remember asking at eight or nine for a walk because I watched Martin Yan cook on a walk. And I was just so intrigued by that. I'm like, wow, that is so cool. I remember playing sports, but always loving food. It, it, it led into the point before my parents got a divorce, they took everything and put into a franchise and we moved down to Los Banos, California. And in Los Banos, my parents had a 50s diner and I found myself so attracted to cooking that every single weekend I would go and cook nonstop with my parents at this diner. So much that they'd let their chef go and my dad made me a full-time cook on the weekends. First of all, they paid me in just rolls of quarters for, um, for NBA Jam and Street Fighter. And then I would just eat all the pizza I want. I was a server. I was a waiter. That was my true passion. My English teacher from high school tells me today, he's like, you're the only person from freshman to senior year that did the same business plan and same story. It was about food, about being a chef, about being a chef. There's, there's, conund- there's, there's problems with that because I'm 41 years old and for my whole life, this is all I've done, dude. Yeah. This is it. I, you know, my wife, my mom always tells me, she's like, you know, in people's lives, you know, sometimes they do three or four jobs. I have done the same thing my whole life. <laughs> and so what's great about today in the food industry today is it's ever changing. Um, science is changing it. 
just like science is changing cancer research. Yeah. It's changing the way we eat with impossible foods and, and these plant-based products that are coming out today. And so I think the reason why I can still do this career today is this passion project is ever growing. I was found through television because I was working at a, at a cafe that was that was losing its mind and doing a horrible, doing horrible numbers. I took it over in San Francisco and I turned it into a profitable business in the, in the black in less than 60 days. And there was this line going down the street in the financial district in San Francisco. And that's where top chef found me. And when top chef found me, top chef turned into seven episodes. I did horrible. I was 27 years old. Uh, I went in with the intention of uh, showing them I know how to cook instead of actually paying attention that this could be a catalyst to moving my career into a different realm. But at 27, I just loved to cook and I wanted to be a Michelin star chef. I didn't want to be a TV chef. I got a microphone thrown in front of me a couple of months after Top Chef. And before you knew it, I had one person say, you know, you're really kind of good at this. I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and I do another I do another interview and they're like, you're really, wow. Have you ever done TV? No, no. And I think, Kenny, and I know what it is, is I don't think about it. I just do it. I don't rehearse about having an interview with Kenny and all talk on ecology. I sit down with Kenny and I let the I let the interview create the interview. I let you and I talk and let it be the interview. And when I've, I've done the Today Show over 200 times, I've done Rachel Ray over 40 times. I mean, Rachel Ray is like a dear friend of mine. She wrote the damn forward to my book. I mean, uh, my first one is like, I've done GMA and Access Hollywood. I've, I've done every national show from this house. And before I push play and get on, I'm just like, I don't rehearse. I'm just Ryan. And I think Ryan was created from cancer. Ryan was created through my parents' divorce. Ryan was created through multiple relationships that went south because I worked as a chef and I chose food over relationships. I chose food over going out on a Friday night with a girlfriend and I chose work instead. And yeah. you know what I choose today? I choose family. And work will figure itself out. I love that. It's true. I love like, that. I want to be home for dinner, dude. And if I got to get my ass up at four o'clock in the morning to get stuff done, then I get up at four o'clock in the morning to get stuff done. Yeah. Because I'm going to be home to take my daughter to soccer on every, you know what? We talked about this, like getting a colonoscopy. It should be on your schedule, like working out. You know what's on my schedule? That's every it. Friday at 11 o'clock is my daughter's soccer practice. There is nothing in the world that will get in the way of me being with my daughter at soccer. Nothing. There's not a million dollar check in the world. Don't get, excuse my French. There's no shit in the world that would get in that way. Ever. Yeah. It's, uh, it is, it is the everything to me. You know, Ryan, you see that, that your values, you know, people don't understand the way you go in, you go dealing with cancer is not the way you come out. And it doesn't matter what age you are you know, your value system, oh, how you see life changes. And to hear you right now, the Ryan in front of me talking about there's nothing getting in the way of you and your daughter, you know, and that soccer practice, your values is all about your family. And you think about what brings families together. It's food. Everybody's in the kitchen and hanging out, you know? So it's a win-win for you, Ryan. It is. It is. And it, my wife says it all the time. We're not a normal couple. You know, I do 98% of all the cooking, but I also, it's a reheat game. I cook for today for tomorrow. 
So if I can give anybody advice when it comes to cooking for family and friends, don't be coming home to, to make that meal. That meal could be reheated. It could be an adaptation of two meals the day before. You know, you can only have to make rice once a week, you know, once or twice a week. And you put it in the fridge and a microwave and a stove are a great appliances to be able to have you be a present family member at the dinner table. And, you know, I always cook of abundance, but I always cook uh, healthy and I always cook a lot. And when I'm cooking tonight, it's actually not for tonight, it's for tomorrow. And if my daughter or my wife, and it just so happens to fit in my 30 minute budget time that I always allow myself to cook 30 minutes, um, then that's what we eat that night. But don't put a script on it. Let it just write itself. Just make dinner. If your daughter and your son want to come in the kitchen and you're like, oh, no, 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 get out of my way. No, wake up real quick and notice what your daughter and your son just said. Mm. My biggest fear is that Olive will be a chef. And that's a pretty <laughs> good fear to have. But if she doesn't become a chef, she's going to be one damn good cook for her partner or her future partner in the, in the universe. Because there's not a better gift that you can give than cooking for people. Breaking bread it turns into conversation. And yeah. turn off that TV and look at your partner in their face and just be present. If your daughter or your son makes a mess, it can be cleaned up, man. Sure. It can be cleaned up, man. So many lessons I learned from how my mother and my father raised me, especially my father, how he raised me. And, 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 and raising your voice does no good, man. Hmm. Let me just tell you this. It, it, so many spills can be cleaned up with a paper towel and go buy another paper towel, man. It's not that serious, huh? Nope. Nope. <laughs> give me something. Give me something that is so serious that you have to get mad about. Right. Nothing in the world <laughs> should should be that big of a deal. And it's just so funny. I mean, that's not the Ryan you would talk to at 30. But the Ryan you would talk to at 30 is being created. We're all being created weekly, yeah. daily, yearly, you know, and it's surround yourself in positivity, surround yourself in knowledge. I always say A's, A's higher A's and iron sharpens iron, man hire people work with people that are stronger better smarter than you mm. feed from them take from them grow from them my assistant is way smarter than me <laughs> and you know why i'm doing so good because my assistant is way smarter than me yes. Yes. <laughs> my cooks cook better than me you know why my catering company does so well because they cook better than me yes. <laughs> that is what you should do but i bring something to the table i teach them something i give them the knowledge and the wherewithal and i also give them the foundation you know let's do one thing really good instead of answering 80 emails let's do one good email yeah. and then let's chunk out jump you know you don't get out of debt knocking out 18 credit cards at the minimum you get out of debt by knocking out one large credit card at a time because yes. paying the minimum just draws it on the same thing with life take it one bit at a time and just knock it out and just be present it's the best present you can give is presence i love that ryan you know and it takes humility uh, to realize that i think growth it, when you realize that people do things better than you that's what you, that's, those are the people you want around you but it takes Hell humility yes. right yes a thousand a thousand percent yeah and i think early in your career you know there's a quote by John Maxwell in the 21 Irrefusable Laws of Leadership. And it, and it says, uh, emotional maturity is the key to success. Mm. You got to learn to turn, to burn, to grow, to create. You know, how many people are successful in their, in their 20s and 30s? We got the Beatles, Justin Bieber because of YouTube. And I don't <laughs> have anybody else I can name. Why are some of the people that we look up to most in their 40s and 50s because of emotional maturity? Yeah. Yeah, strong, strong. 
So Ryan, here's another thing we'd like to ask, you know, when you appreciate in life, right? Because it's different. It's different after you have, you have cancer. What does Ryan do? Ryan, his family, what do you do to celebrate? You know, what do you do to celebrate life? You take hmm. time out? Yeah, I didn't before COVID. And I would have to tell you the truth is I do now. I was on the road 240 days a year. I was a check-in dad. I was a dad that would kind of try to come and build everything up real quick and make sure she has enough food and, and make sure that all the bills are paid with Leslie and everything is good and, and love her real quick and check on my daughter and rush off to this. And the gift and the presence today is, you know, I was able to still keep the company thriving and did it all from home and I didn't travel. And it made me really realize I'm like, do I have to do that? for the rest of my life or do I want to do that for the rest of my life is this is something I feed off of is this is something I need or do what I really need is actually really in front of me and what I need is actually really in front of me yeah I don't 12 years man 240 days a year it's cool to be five diamond delta blah 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 but to tell you the truth if it goes who cares man <laughs> who cares well, I have a status on a credit card because I fly a lot is that cool? I don't know if that's cool. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually a cool thing to say. Yeah. You know? Oh, cool. I get to send my wife and I and my family to Hawaii for free in December because I flew 240 days in a year and I spent 300000 on flights. Damn right I should be flying. So <laughs> I, I think what I really realized was it's just I, there's such a gift in just having breath, watching my best friend take his last breath knowing that you know I've, I've seen a lot of my friends die one of my closest friends floyd cardoz died of coronavirus in the first week of corona when it was really really rapidly coming over and annihilating the u.s yeah. um he's a father of two kids an amazing wife and he didn't have a choice coronavirus took him we don't know what can take us what we what i do know is we need to take care of ourselves i have on my schedule that i i work out every single morning and you know and i watch what i eat and uh, I drink the, all the water, I take all the vitamins, and I'm just a better version of where I think I would be today because we're just, because of everything that happened, there's the best gifts are the gifts in front of you. And if you don't notice them, then you got to wake up, man. You got to check yourself. Yeah. And I'm, I love where I'm at. I love where we live. You know, I told my wife the one thing when we bought this house, she's like, what do you want? And I said, I want to be away from everybody. And I know that sounds weird and please don't take an insult to that. Yeah. When I tell that to people, but I just want to, I want to hear birds, you know, and I want to watch wind and I want to respect the things that this beautiful universe has given us. You know, what we do today is I ended up purchasing during COVID the truck I've always wanted my whole life. And what I did with the truck was I put a camper shell and a tent on it and the tent in four minutes, I could pop a tent up. And you know what we do now? We just go to the beach. We go to Stinson Beach. We go to Tamales Bay. We go down to Sausalito and we pop up that tent and there's no iPad. There's no iPhones. There's no TV. There's no music. And I watch my daughter play in the sand. Mm. That's a free gift. Do you understand that this universe gave us that sand and it gave us this earth? There's free gifts 24-7 in front of us. And you just got to turn off the boob tube to go do that. I you know, you. that's what my wife and I do, man. We hop in the truck and we just drive and we say, oh, what do you want to do? I want to see sea lions. So we just go and we go see sea lions. I want to go play in the sand. I want oyster shells. 
and we go up north to Fort Bragg. We just do that. We get in the truck and we drive. Yeah, gas is expensive, but so is is a bottle of wine. So help it out. (laughs) Ryan, dropping gems on our show today. Dropping gems. And, and, you know, thank you so much for that, Ryan. Thank you for coming on All Talk Oncology. And before I let you go, Ryan, what is one thing that you can look at our our guest and, and tell them? You know, what is one thing you'll at least the guests can walk away and know? Oh, I mean, it's the same thing we've always heard. I mean, we always say that life is short, but are you actually paying attention when you actually say life is short? Mm-hmm. And when I say, are you actually paying attention? Are you actually really paying attention? Life is really short. The blessings that we have today, if COVID didn't teach you that it can be gone like that, cancer can teach you that it can be gone like that. A car accident can teach you to be gone like that. I call and text people that I think of randomly. And you wouldn't believe, Kenny, the conversations that spark from that. I'm best friends with my high school sweetheart. You know why? Because we're mature. She's a mother of four and I'm a father of two. And we had fun together. And we had a great session and a great part of our life together in high school. And now we're friends and we can talk about it. And that's cool. And when I think of her or vice versa, we just text and we say, hi, call somebody, tell them that you're thinking of them because you never know that that somebody may really just need a hello. Yeah. And I, and I mean that I can't tell you how many friends when I randomly text, they're like, I'm like, hi, by the way, it's Ryan Scott. I don't know if you still, of course I still have your phone number in here. <laughs> I'm like, I just wanted to know that you crossed my mind today and I'm sending you lots of love and more times than none. It's you have no clue what that did for me. Also, being around to be able to do that is a gift too. So I want to encourage people if for any reason, and I know we're on your talk show, and this is has a lot to do with you know what happened to me and people's past and whatnot. But the best gift you can give is just go get yourself checked up. You know, if there's signs, you know, it's just like breast cancer with women and how we mammogram month and how women checked just see if there's cysts or bumps i think men and need to really and a lot of people just need to really you know check yourself get your oil changed in your car go get checked up on you it, it, it doesn't take a lot of time and i we're so blessed in this universe where we live you know and enjoy it you know the blessings are in front of you, you just got to open your eyes and look at them you know turn off the tv <laughs> ryan Ryan Scott, Chef Ryan Scott, thank you so much for gracing us here on All Talk Oncology. Don't forget, go get that book, the No Fuss Family Cookbook. You got to get that. (laughs) It's a good one. And if you guys don't see it anywhere, I'm on TV every day for the next month selling it. So uh, we're excited to do more. I'm excited to write the way that things just turn into the way the universe is going to allow it, you know? with our next daughter, who knows? It may be no fuss family. What the hell am I doing? You never know. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) Again, we'd like to thank celebrity chef Ryan Scott for joining us on All Talk Oncology. And I hope you picked up on some of the gems that he dropped today. One of the gems we talked about today was making a doctor's appointment. If you heard him say, we make appointments to go to the gym, we make appointments to get our oil changed, but how about our oil, right? For ourselves, get a physician, get an appointment, 
and get a colonoscopy. Super important. He says there's blessings in the findings, right? Early detection. If you can find it early, it can save a lot of trouble on the long end, right? So make that appointment. So another gem that he talked about is cancer made him into the Ryan we see today. And what a blessing that is. The Ryan who we saw today, uh, vibrant, you know, an author of two books, a two-time Emmy Award winner. You know, the way he started out when he was eight years old and going through that journey into the Ryan we have in front of us, just so appreciative about life and his family. Amazing. It's what cancer can do to you. I always say, the way you start this journey is definitely not the way you're going to end. And who you are in the beginning is not who you are at the end of that journey. So what a testimony, another gem. I hope you're able to walk away with that, that Ryan gave to us. The third gem that Ryan talks about, he says the best present you can give someone is your presence. And how true is that? You know, just being there speaks volumes. Being there allows people to know that you love them. They feel wanted. It's security. And we need to do that more. And Ryan brought that out. Being present is the best present you can give someone. So again, we want to thank celebrity chef Ryan Scott for joining us here on All Talk Oncology. It's a pleasure. It's a blessing. And I hope that you guys are benefiting from this, right? These insightful conversations are for you so you can walk away and, you know, have something to discuss with your team. And it's amazing. So again, I want to thank everyone who tuned in today. Here's where you will find up-to-date cancer discussions with industry experts and leading professionals that can help you in your cancer fight. You are not alone in this. We are in this together. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. And until again, I'm out.